It's good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. As Brother Hugh mentioned, our series, as I have chosen for this month, is going to be the story of Jesus. This is probably one of the most basic series that you can have as far as our Christianity is concerned, as far as our understanding of the Bible is concerned. This is something that, that all of us should know, and yet there's so much to learn. Our theme is going to be this song, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. And we're going to go through the lyrics of the song, and we're going to study the story in that way. And I've subtitled this, Right on My Heart, Every Word. And that's exactly what we want to do. Our lesson for this morning is the beginning of the story of Jesus. And really it doesn't go back as, as far as creation. As we know that Jesus was present in the days of creation. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And so forth as we read in the book of John. But it goes to His beginning on earth. We begin with His birth into humanity. The birth of Messiah had been foretold in the Old Testament. Turn for a moment to Isaiah chapter 9. Notice verses 6 and 7 and we read this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. His government is foretold. His birth is foretold. His sufferings on the cross. His burial. His resurrection. All of these things are foretold in Scripture. And all of these things came to pass. However, even though Jesus was foretold in Scripture, that we are told that that the Son of God would be born into man. We also understand that Jesus wasn't quite what the Jews were looking for. He wasn't a king coming from a royal family. He didn't come into the world with great fanfare. As a matter of fact, when He did come into the world, King Herod had threatened the lives of all male children because he himself felt threatened. His kingdom was not won through conquering warfare as all other kingdoms of the day. Though He came through humble beginnings, His birth was one of the greatest blessings ever given to mankind. His purpose in coming was to bring spiritual life and forgiveness of sins. These could not be accomplished without His death on a cross, burial in a tomb that was not His, 
and His subsequent resurrection from the dead. The birth of Christ was one of the greatest events ever known to man. Even those who only claim thin ties to Christianity recognize annually the birth of Jesus. Even if it is only for a season. His birth is worth far more to to true Christians than a once a year celebration. The true Christian will recognize his birth each and every day of their lives. Just as much as we recognize his death, burial, and resurrection, just as much as we recognize his life. His birth is something that means a great deal to us. And so we recognize it more than just once a year. Let's look first of all at the event. We begin with the announcement to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, verse 29, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month. For her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Jesus was also announced to Joseph in the form of a dream. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, which is our form of engagement, although it meant a great deal more to the Jews 
than it does to us. But after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. One of the things that we learn in these verses is first of all that Mary and Joseph accepted the will of God despite the difficulties that might have resulted. We might question was the integrity of Mary ever questioned due to the child's conception before their marriage? Was there any wonder in the minds of those around them as to whose this child was? And though they did not know what the future held in store for them, were they truly ready to be parents at such a young age? We don't know exactly how old they were, but traditionally men and women were married at a very young age. This was their first child. And parents will understand, I'm sure, that uh, as I'm guessing, that there's a lot of wonder in regard to the birth of a child, especially the first one. Uh, you know, what, what's going to happen? What will they, they be like? And, and how will we raise them? Uh, many have, have made mention of the fact that there is no manual for parenthood. Uh, the first time, you're, you're kind of winging it. And so I wonder if there was any doubt in their minds as to their capabilities. And what other questions might have arisen in their minds? Mary and Joseph walked by faith and only what God had told them would be. That's all they had to go on. God told them that they would give birth to a son, that they would bring him into this world, that he would be the son of God. That's all they knew. They didn't know what his future would be like. 
except that he would be something great. With little doubt, they embarked upon a new journey together in service of Almighty God. And when it came time for the promised child to be born, we understand that there was not even enough room for him in the end. Turn to Luke 2. Let's pick up with verse 1. Luke 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. The Son of God, Himself, and Savior of mankind, was not born in comfort and luxury. Jesus was born in a stable. The superheroes in our books and movies may have come from humble beginnings, but none, at least not that I can remember, were ever born in a barn. Just saying. When we tell our stories and things of that nature, there are certain aspects of, of superheroes and, and people such as them that are very special and, and these stories we remember. But let me suggest to you that, that the stories of the Bible, they weren't stories. They weren't made up fiction. They weren't made up in any way. They, they were, were something that were very true. And the story of Jesus is very true. And we have details in the Bible that would not be created by any writer. If it wasn't so well known, if it wasn't the story of Jesus, I doubt that it would be a bestseller. Because the story of Jesus is like none other. At the birth of Jesus, the angels rejoiced. Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. 
For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. Upon seeing such a marvelous sight the shepherds desired to see Jesus. They desired to see the one of whom the angel spoke of. In Luke chapter 2 verses 15 through 20 we read this. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this, this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary, verse 19, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. The shepherds were not the only ones to visit Jesus. Sometime later we read in Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 that there were certain wise men that also visited Jesus in Jerusalem. Matthew 2 verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying where is he who has been born king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him I'm picking up with verse 10 when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy and when they had come into the house they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now we are not told how many wise men there were. We know that it was more than one because it says wise men. But beyond that, we're not sure if it was between 2 and 50 or even more. We don't know because we're not told. But these wise men were considered wise men for a reason. Knowing the scriptures 
and the significance of his birth, they desired to see Jesus. Do we understand, like the wise men, how important the birth of Jesus was to mankind and is to mankind? Do we understand how important it is? I believe you have some concept of its significance or you wouldn't be here today. Jesus means the world to us. Because with His birth, everything else that Jesus went through for us is a result. Let's turn our attention to our second point for today. The birth of Christ. A message of hope. So there's great meaning behind the birth of Jesus. It's what gives us hope. And it gave a great deal of hope back then. Just as much as it is for us today. You see, the birth of Christ looks forward to the cross. To His death. His burial, and His resurrection. If He had not sacrificed His life, there would be no hope of us ever being saved from our sins and enjoying the lives that we live as Christians. There would be no hope. The birth of Christ is a message of hope from all who lived then all who live in the present. Hope is one of three very important Christian graces as we call them. After defining love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul states in verse 13, and now abide faith, hope, and love. These three but the greatest of these is love. Though not as great as love, as stated by Paul, faith and hope are of great importance to the Christian. Without the others, each would be meaningless, spiritually speaking. Notice what is said in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Colossians 1, verses 3 through 6 we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world 
and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. The hope of man without Christ only regards the temporary. What is the hope of man without Christ? Man can only hope that tomorrow brings similar fortune to that of today. If we can only continue to enjoy our current health and prosperity as we are all aging, if only we can continue to enjoy today and tomorrow like it, that's something to hope for if there is no Christ. Man can hope for riches of the world but has no knowledge of the greater riches of heaven. Matthew 6 verses 19 through 21 Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Without Christ, man has no hope of greater riches in eternity. He can only hope for what he has today. Man can hope for long life, but knows nothing of eternity. According to Matthew 25 and verse 46, one can hope for eternal life and even for everlasting punishment if he refuses God. But there is an eternity. Without Christ, man doesn't know of it. Man can hope for peace but knows nothing of the peace that comes through Christ. Peace in knowing that your soul is taken care of regardless of whatever happens to your body. Man can look for peace. But man knows nothing of the peace that passes all understanding without Christ. In a quote from Psalm 118 in verse 6, we read this in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The hopes of the world are uncertain. But the hopes of a Christian 
are promised by God. And we can trust that the things we hope for will one day be reality. You see, we have a momentous hope. Our hope produces within us desire. First of all, hope produces the desire to love. In Colossians 1 verses 4 and 5, Paul intended to reveal to the Colossians that their love for the saints was in part due also to their hope for them. In defining love in 1 Corinthians 13, he summed it all up with faith, hope, and love. Both faith and hope are foundational support pillars for our love for one another. Our hope produces within us the desire for knowledge. Hope stirs our desire to know more about God and His Word. It's what we're doing today. And it is only through Christ that we are able to truly know God. John 1 verses 16 and 18 And of His fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. We are able to come to a fullness of knowledge in regard to God and everything that He has supplied for us. Through Christ and through the hope that we have through Him. Our hope stirs within us a desire to bear fruit. As Christians, we are told that we need to bear fruit. Our hope of heaven is founded on fulfillment of the command to bear fruit. John 4, verses 34 through 38, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Do you not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together, for in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored, Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. This hope that we have through Christ makes us desire to bear fruit. As Christians, we need to have a desire to bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, then you're not the Christian that you ought to be. What kind of fruit are you bearing? Our hope, the hope that we have in Christ, stirs within us a desire to remain faithful to God. The hope that is given through Christ is worthless if we refuse to remain faithful 
till the end. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You see, we have hope of eternal life. We have hope of something greater than this life could ever give it. And because we have that hope, it stirs our desire to remain faithful. We, we pursue that hope with every ounce of our being. We bear fruit. We do all of those things that God wants us to do because of the hope that comes through Christ. This hope that we have as Christians begins at the birth of Christ. At the beginning of our story today. And it continues even now. As we know that Christ lives today. As we know that He was resurrected from the dead. As we know that His death, burial, and resurrection gives us victory in Him we pursue the hope that was begun in Him. Are you a Christian? Are you a faithful child of God? If there is something in your life that is lacking, if for some reason this hope that comes through Christ is not something that you know or understand, if there's something in your life that is keeping you from a right relationship with God. If there is some way that we can help you today. If you need to come in obedience. Or if you need to come in repentance. Or to rededicate your life to Him. Or to ask for prayer on your behalf. For forgiveness for something that you've done. If there is some way that we can help you today. We offer you the opportunity to come. As together we stand and as we sing.